guys, welcome back to another. <laughs> Why do you sound like a YouTuber? That's the whole point. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of You Tell Em. I'm Themis. I'm Haruka. And this is our second ever episode. We just wanted to have a little updates corner, kind of like very like my favorite murder-esque update corner, just because a lot has changed since we last recorded our episode. Uh, first of all, we want to apologize for the audio quality. Yeah, sorry is what you get, honey. We have yeah. no disposable income to spend uh, 300 US dollars on a new mic, so this is the best we've got. Yeah, um, please don't bully us. Also, we have extensively tested our microphone qualities all throughout all our devices, and this is the best that you're gonna get for a while. <laughs> yeah, like, my my setup's pretty normal. I'm basically using, like, a webcam mm-hmm. mic, but Hark, on the other I'm hand... I'm sitting in a closet with my head half in the closet. <laughs> I'm really going through it. <laughs> yeah, so this is how much we're doing for our two listeners, um... Because more than two, but like, <laughs> thank you guys for all the support over at the. Yeah, so we also wanted to have a little update just because um, last time we actually ended on us talking about exams and cancellation, and the day we filmed, I think an hour slash half an hour after we, you know, wrapped our podcast recording, it was leaked that the IB exams were canceled. And let me tell you, it was hectic. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was a wild time. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, just for reference, today is the 7th of April, because we realized that we posted it a week after it was cancelled, so we sounded really, really late. Yeah. And, like, it's not out of date, but yeah. That that was a whack day, because basically we were on a call for, like, I want to say, like, six hours, maybe more, I don't know. But <laughs> literally, we were both having dinner and I remember Haruka just, she comes back and she goes, you know, exams are canceled. And I was like, what? And then I open our group chat and it's just like, yeah, guys, I think exams are canceled. And I, I must started bawling like a normal person, but then I started laughing and then I started crying it. So it was really good. It was a fun time. I got to witness all of it. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of people who know me in person think I'm very emotionless, which is like kind of true, whatever. But she got all of the all my spectrum of emotions. Yeah, also, I would like to apologize on behalf of both of us for our horrible articulation, because all we were saying were like and literally and yeah and um, so we're gonna try our best to control to not sound illiterate. No, and also I notice when I kind of go on little longer monologues, my accent changes like every five seconds, so I'm really sorry if that annoys you. I'm gonna try my best today, but I just did it again and again. Okay, and we have a coronavirus update Ooh, yeah. in terms of the situation in Hong Kong. Okay, yeah. Basically, um, last time we kind of talked about having like the wristbands here for people who are coming back and having mandatory quarantine, but I think now they've changed it. You can't fly into Hong Kong unless you're a citizen, and if you do come back, you have to have the wristband and if you're seen being in public places with the wristband and stuff you can get fined for twenty thousand dollars and jailed for a bit i think yeah and then you have to wear a mask i don't know how true this is but last night when i went out to get dinner the news was playing on the television 
and apparently someone got fined twenty thousand dollars for not wearing a mask in public because they were drinking something and then they took their mask off obviously to drink it but then they got fined because i guess they didn't put their mask on quick enough after i don't know that's kind of what's going on here and also in terms of restaurants as well you can only have four people on a table and also gatherings are not allowed if there's over four people and each table has to be a meter apart but you know the way that it's governed is kind of shady and whack but that's a whole other topic have you gone out to eat since the thing because i've been out twice since they implemented that no i've just been at home since yeah see i went out because it was my mother's birthday and stuff so then i don't know it was really interesting because we went to like a daudau, which is like a, how do you even call it, like a banquet restaurant? I don't actually know what the English translation for it is. It's like a fancy diner. Yeah, like imagine that. It's where you'd go to get dim sum in the afternoon, but then by night, it's like where you go to get your like, I don't know, like people have celebrations there as well, so like. Yeah, they have weddings sometimes. Yeah, it's hard to explain. We went to one of those, and they have these large circular tables, and it was so whack, because usually the whole ambiance and atmosphere in a daudau is like, everyone's chatting it's loud like that day when we sat there for her birthday it was so quiet i felt like i was in like a western fine dining restaurant where no one wanted to speak it was so weird but yeah it's fine though but then we're kind of like worried about a lot of the smaller restaurants and just downstairs because like obviously like hong kong's really small already with tedai mean stores which is like how do i phrase it like kind of street noodle, food noodle stores noodle stalls yeah Yeah, like they're like you can sit in them because there's they're kind of like it's not fast food it's fast as in like the intention is like you sit there you eat and then you leave you don't stay there to chat or anything and they're they're usually pretty small as well we're kind of worried about those type of stores because like basically all stores are cutting half of how many people they could potentially hold in their restaurant if you can only already start off with holding like 10 people for example now you can only get five people coming in people are already not going out to eat so then that's kind of worrying (laughs) okay i think that's it for update corner yeah i think that's it but yeah today we're moving on from miss rona (laughs) because i feel like it was something that we needed to talk about but then now that it's like now that we've kind of done a whole episode on it we now that we've um added to the oversaturation of miss verona yeah yeah don't want to give her any more well she kind of needs attention on her because you should be keeping updated especially for cases in your area and stuff but like we're also here to entertain you and pretend to be your friends so yeah we're gonna move on from her yeah, so um, we're going to go from a pretty sad topic to another kind of sad topic, which is mental health Woo! and how to keep it healthy yeah. or how you cope with it or your struggles with it. Yeah, and we're just kind of more discussing our experiences because obviously neither one of us are licensed, you know, psychologists or therapists, psychiatrists, so we can't really give you unsolicited advice and like we shouldn't this is all unsolicited unprofessional advice that you probably shouldn't follow and should definitely take with a grain of salt it's just more for us to like share our experiences because like we do come from a place and like also like at home culturally that gets a very taboo kind of topic and yeah so this (laughs) is gonna be hard for us because we're both capricorn suns so um i don't like oversharing 
I know I've talked a lot so far, but I'll probably shut up real soon <laughs> and let her do the rest of the episode. Yeah, it's just gonna be an hour of me. Yeah, and then I'll do, like, active listening. So, really, what you're witnessing is, like, a friend-to-friend demonstration. <laughs> demonstration. So, like, every time she's like, yeah, sometimes I feel kind of sad. I'll be like, yeah, you go, girl. Oh, you tell them. <laughs> okay, so I think a pretty big part of it is mental health in Asian culture, which you just mentioned. And yeah, living in Asia itself, mental health definitely is taboo. I mean, not that it's not taboo anywhere else in the world. I think mental health in general is pretty taboo and stigmatized. But especially in Asia, I feel like people don't acknowledge the existence of it. It's definitely a lot better now. Like there's a lot more awareness in terms of public education and mental health issues. But most of them focus on more severe and obvious, I guess, mental health issues and less on the really normal occurrence of mental health issues, especially in the youth, I think. Because I feel like a lot of education is sort of understanding, oh, schizophrenia, being a sociopath, stuff like that, which is, I don't want to say more extreme, but it's less common than more depression, anxiety, all that, especially in people in our demographic. Yeah, and like, I know in, because I study psych in school, Eating disorders were actually not recognized in Hong Kong as a thing for the longest time until quite recently, in the early 2000s. I think. I'm going to fact check it and then put it in the description of this episode with links to stuff. And also, I feel like eating disorders still isn't really recognized, very normalized in Asian culture really unhealthy eating disorder habits. Also, we're in a weird situation. Obviously, we're from an Asian culture, but then our education system is like super westernized. So what I learned in school is the Western view on psychology. And obviously, the cultural background that you come from affects how you A, diagnose patients and also how you interpret abnormal behaviors. And like, I was watching this TED video about how Asian psychologists treat people with depression. I think it was about a farmer in Vietnam who was really, really depressed. Western psychiatrists were like, oh, we should give him like SSRIs or any other biomedical treatment. Whereas like the local psychologists were like, nah, we gave him a cow and that cured his depression. And the Western psychologists were like, what? You can't just give someone a cow. And it sounds so mind-boggling, right? But then they explained the farmer was sad because I think he came back from a super depressing wartime. And then mm-hmm. by having the cow, the cow helped the farmer grow more crops, prosper, and then he formed a relationship with the cow. Obviously, he had to take care of the cow, so like it gave his life more meaning, in a sense. And so I don't know, it's a really interesting Mm -hmm. thing that I watched that suddenly popped up into my head. Don't actually know how that's relevant. Yeah, no, I feel like it's definitely the distinction between Eastern and Western medical science as well. Because Eastern medicine focuses a lot more on... A holistic feel. Homeopathic, holistic medical treatments. Both are pretty important. I don't think you should heavily rely on one. Yeah, I think it's important to consider all perspectives. There's definitely good in both of them. Yeah, and I don't know, in terms of my household, um, my (gasps) suffers from clinical depression and anxiety. The way that we went about it was, this was when I was still pretty young, so I wasn't too in the know of what was going on, but now, obviously, I know. And saw a Western psychiatrist in Hong Kong, and they basically just gave SSRIs, all that, medicating a year or two ago, um, because it felt better, and that's pretty 
interesting, I guess, because there's a lot of procedures or progression in depression and anxiety that's really, really personal to everyone. That medication might not work for one person, but it worked for... And especially for... I think it was really hard for my to grasp what dealing with because they just didn't understand what was going on. As in, they just thought was going through puberty or just being angry, having sudden bursts of anger and just really sad, having suicidal thoughts for no reason, basically. And they just thought that it was being a brat or being silly when it's something that you can't control. For sure. And I feel like it's amplified these feelings in at least definitely here in Hong Kong culture because so much of it is pressure oriented like you get pressure from school and then like you have to reputation and like how you look in society is such a big thing here I feel like that probably might have played a part I don't know I don't remember my point that I was trying to say also because it's like kind of a taboo thing like when you do feel overwhelmed usually like you're not just gonna like say it aloud here which probably makes it worse yeah I think suppressing these sort of so-called negative emotions is really big in Asian culture and in Hong Kong culture especially you're basically encouraged to be subservient to people older than you or give respect to others which means that you can't express any of your emotions or opinions in front of them unless it's positive and I think having that upbringing since you were a baby and being told oh don't cry it's embarrassing for me or don't be loud, don't shout, don't be angry. I think having that layer of subconscious thinking where you're always thinking about not showing emotion makes it a lot more taboo to talk about mental health because talking about it is already going against the yeah. cultural norm. And like with stuff crying in public, that was also like something that my parents were really big on. Don't do that. A, it's embarrassing mm-hmm. for them. And then also, like, your own thinking kind of becomes, oh, wow, like, I'm being a burden on other people for crying or, like, showing emotion. Which, like, when you're a kid, I feel like you don't really... Normal to cry. Right? Obviously, some kids cry more than others, but, like, when you don't fully understand certain emotions, a lot of natural reaction is just to cry, right? To be told that you're not allowed to do that is probably one of the weirdest things to do you know yeah and I one time I remember pretty vividly when I was younger I was with my dad and we were waiting for the bus and we saw this lady crying her eyes out on the phone I'm presuming with her significant other I think they were either breaking up or having an argument and she was just bawling her eyes out and then my dad was disgusted basically and told me I can't believe she'd like cry in public like that what is wrong with her back then I guess because he was sort of my only frame of reference in terms of how to act in public. I just thought, oh yeah, crying is so bad, why is she doing that? Until I realized, if you're going through something traumatic, breaking up or having like a really, really, really abrasive argument with someone, it's really natural to cry and to be ashamed of just releasing emotion in a really appropriate time. It might not be exactly what you want to do in public, but I still think you should not be shamed at all. Yeah, definitely. And like by extension on that, like it's not, I think here you don't even just get judged for like crying in public, for example. Any kind of display of emotion is kind mm-hmm. of shamed upon. Like you can laugh a bit like, and no one's going to judge you, but like you laugh a little too loud, people are going to stare at you. You you cry a little too loud, someone's going to stare at you. 
you know, you talk a little too loud with your friends, someone's getting dirty. I was gonna say, like, the biggest thing that probably gets you the dirtiest looks are the public displays of affection. Yes. To be fair, PDA is nasty. If y'all are just, like, getting it on in the middle of a public place, like, that is proper weird, all right? But I'm talking about stuff, even if you just, like, hug your friends goodbye, holding hands, just, like, a small peck here and there, that could get you so many dirty looks. It is, it's such a weird, suppressive kind of <laughs> I remember one time I was hugging someone in the subway and someone was taking a photo of us and I felt so dis I I felt like <laughs> this was this is like not recent but <laughs> I remember feeling so ashamed it was like being slut shamed yeah. in public which I suppose it kind of is yeah but for sure all I was doing was hugging this person yeah no it's happened before where like so we go to, like, an international school system where, like, they have, like, actual Facebook and Instagram pages called Minghao Secrets, which loosely translates yeah. to, like, famous school secrets. It's basically people taking photos of kids who go to, like, international schools. I've never heard of this. Have you not? No, this... No. I think eventually they posted too many photos of people in our school that the school had to, like take action to take it down because we're children you can't just take photos of children without their consent and then upload it online they didn't blur the faces or anything so it was this whole account that was dedicated to just because like the international school uniforms are so different to the local school uniforms it just the style of it is just different because our skirts are shorter you know the yeah we're perpetually slut shamed yeah, by local the public. culture basically <laughs> you know like this is all talking from a place of privilege like i'm not yeah, complaining for sure but then you know like our uniform rules are more lax definitely because you know some schools they control how long your hair can be which is insane um but yeah, it's just an account where they just take photos of kids in their school uniform. The one that I remember the most were two people in our year. They were just sat together in Starbucks. I like, it's, like, it's like a pretty common thing you do, right? Like if there's not enough seats on a cafe, you just kind of share seats with your friend until like a seat frees up. And then they were like taking photos of them sharing the seat together and being, this is horrific behavior. They're basically procreating and in public. And it's what? Like they're literally just sat next to each other on a chair. But yeah, that was like a pretty big thing I remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like being a female in Asian culture puts you at such a disadvantage in terms of mental health and mm. this like sort of slut shamey behavior, I guess. Yeah. Because at least in in my personal experience, wow, I'm really out here being vulnerable, but... <laughs> yeah, 2020 horoscope told us that we'd be vulnerable and... Oh, this boy, is my astrological calling, so I'm going to overshare. But a few years ago was when I feel like my depression and anxiety sort of spiraled real hard. Sister snapped, okay? I was going, I was truly going through it. I did not feel any purpose in life. I was really, really depressed, suicidal, anxious. I was crying every day for no reason because... I was probably, well, I was undiagnosed, probably going through some mental health issues as many people our age are because of life changes. And I remember I opened up to this uh, with my parents and, <coughs> and said that I was being overdramatic and that it's because I'm a girl that all my emotions are like this and that um, I don't need to worry about it whatsoever. And then she, 
blamed me for being that way, essentially. <laughs> Told me that it's because you're not doing this right. I just remember that shut me up real quick. I didn't even know how to articulate how I felt, but because I feel like it's so emphasized, especially in media, how your family, your loved ones, significant other and close friends are the people you should tell and trust during times of difficulties and when my problems were minimalized so quickly and shut down immediately like that that made me so scared i just thought okay maybe i'm just being overdramatic i'll just shut the fuck up and then it wasn't until i feel like i met a lot of friends who understood where i was coming through from and were going through the same thing that i realized Okay, I'm not crazy. I'm not being overdramatic and should be addressed. Also, I want to pop off about the school counselors. Oh, go um, ahead. I hate them so much. They are the worst. And I think definitely being a girl really played into that because girls, at least in Asian cultures, are seen as crazy or yeah. over-emotional. And I guess most um, generally speaking girls are more emotive i feel like our social net is safer for us to express emotions without being judged at least with our friends which that social support may not be as prevalent in males generally speaking i'm generalizing that was whack and the counselors made it so much worse i feel like we should provide a bit of background to the counselors because their whole thing is like, oh, you guys can come talk to us whenever, everything's confidential, like, it will only be between us, but basically what ends up happening when you go, they email all of your teachers, your parents, like, why why, why did I even go in the first place? Yeah, when you have a counselor and someone that is supposed to uphold confidentiality and what you say to them, basically have your best interests at heart, it's really, really gutting when you see a bunch of emails from all your teachers going like, oh yeah, your counselor told me this. And then it's such a big violation of your privacy that I think it really discourages anyone from taking care of their mental health professionally because from that experience, I think you're just fostering trust issues on a bunch of adolescent children. Yeah, and I feel like by breaking that trust, it makes everything worse because you don't want to go back a second time because... They're just going to tell all that stuff. Yeah, it gives you a misconception of what mental health professionals do because that is not standard practice whatsoever. If anything, that's illegal and breaking confidentiality rules, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, definitely, because in psych, they do teach us about possible careers you can have, but the main role for any kind of job where you're helping people with mental health is it's confidentiality. Everything that they say only goes through you and that's it no one else is supposed to hear about it unless you genuinely think that they're going to either harm themselves or someone else everything is supposed to stay confidential yeah i was just gonna say it puts you off from any further evaluation or professional help because you think that's the quality of help that you're gonna get because the school really pushes us to see these counselors when we're feeling pressured or having mental health issues and they advertise it like they are proper, proper professionals. I think that's really harmful. Yeah. The thing is, they can't always guarantee what the situation at home is. You know, like when you're telling someone in confidence, thinking that, you know, everything you say stays within the room. And then 
you go home and then suddenly everything's changed, that could be potentially dangerous. I never liked going there. I just don't think they're doing their jobs very proper. And I don't think that because they're in a school environment, they should get exemption from the general rule of confidentiality. Like, that is in place for a reason. I don't know if all schools do this, but like I definitely have friends who go to other schools where when they say it's confidential, it stays confidential, as it should be. So that is definitely something very questionable. Yeah, and then seeking mental health help professionally is definitely another taboo, because mental health definitely is seen as something that makes you deficient and not at all a part of you. It's seen as a disease, basically that you're responsible for and that seeking help from it means that you're weak or that you don't know how to control your emotions when it's nothing like that. I would argue that if you think you're going through something and you're actively seeking help from it, it makes you the exact opposite of being weak. For sure. It takes balls to like go out there and get help because first you have to do all this research and then you have to like physically be there and then actually allow yourself to trust what your feeling is going to be respected by another person. That takes guts, in my opinion. I feel like support systems are super important as well in terms of tackling mental health. My friends, really close friends that I've opened up to this with... (laughs) Not me. Yeah, not you. We don't even like each other. Yeah, I don't know her. (laughs) We're not even friends. Yeah, but for real, like, I feel like my friends have been paramount in keeping me mentally sane. Just because I guess our generation is more well-informed about the implications of it, and we all understand how to deal with it, even if you're not going through it yourself. I feel like you have that awareness to help your friends who do. Yeah, the thing is, like, for me, I feel like it took me, like, forever to kind of find friends that I could confide in. I don't know. I just have kind of issues with befriending people. I don't recognize red flags a lot, but that's a whole nother episode that we can dive deep dive into this from. But then I think because of that, for the longest time, I was very pent up because like, I feel like our situations are kind of different because you're the only cis female in your family, whereas I have my sibling is literally another cis female. So that was, I don't know, they have like a really different dynamic between like the first child and the second child here mm-hmm. well not here just in my family for her like she's very open as a person to them whereas like, i'm very like closed off in general not just to them just to people in general so then there have been times where i'm just crying in my room or whatever going through it and i'm accidentally a little too loud and they do come in and it's just more of like a you have to stop this yes you're annoying the neighbors oh my god relatable <laughs> They're like, why are you crying? Like, are you stressed? And I'm like, well, yeah. And I feel like a lot of times people, I mean, I'm guilty of this too, you know, those like, he lied, she believed. She breathed. Yeah. You know, it's jokes a lot in memes and stuff that, oh my god, I'm 14, I'm depressed, whatever. Okay. You know, I'm kind of guilty of joking about that, but like, I feel like to some extent we all kind of go through some like that but to be fair this didn't happen when i was 14 so (laughs) no but um basically this happened once where i was like i'm crying this is when i started the ib and i was like not prepared at all for the amount of stress that would come with it i don't think i anticipated just how hard it would be because i went from getting straight a's and stars from my gcse's to like suddenly gaining a three during my course which all the teachers were like 
oh, it's fine, like, everyone's like this, because it, it is such a huge jump, and, like, they'd be like, yeah, it's fine, like, everyone starts off with threes and fours during definitely your first half term of the course. That just didn't register in my mind, because I was so used to just immediately being good at stuff, because that was, like, an expectation for me to meet. Yeah, it's definitely, like, a gifted child syndrome sort of thing. Yeah, so I was, like, crying about it, and then they were like, you're annoying the neighbors, and then the one that really got me was just, you can't cry, because think about how I have it, I have to go to work, I have a boss, and I was like, okay, thank you, I'll just stop crying then. Yeah, definitely neglecting and marginalizing and minimalizing in general what you feel is such a toxic behavior that a lot of people don't understand. But then the thing is, like, it's such a big thing in Asian culture that, like, oh, you're going through that, well, so is everyone else, and other people have it worse. That is such a big mindset that I have. Yeah, I just think it's so important to conceptualize the gravity of what you feel in relation to your life experience, because obviously something that makes a six-year-old sad is probably less severe than what makes a 30-year-old sad, but they should both be held in regard equally to context context matters sisters we talk about it so much i don't know it's definitely like a like a weird thing i don't know because like to me i was always in a position where i genuinely did not believe that talking about it would help you Mm -hmm. because like what like now you talk about it and in my mindset of brainwashery i'd be like if i tell someone what if they tell someone else because trust issues um and then i was very in like a cycle of i don't want people to think that i am weaker than i am i just like it's such a big fear of mine i don't know why like i just don't want to be seen as vulnerable like i'll be crying and i'll tell people like no i'm not i just yawned really hard and they'll be like sure (laughs) this reminds me of this one time i saw i uh this was like during like a class walking through the hall so like there's literally no one at school as with some people but Erica was walking alone and she looked so dazed and out of it and I was like are you okay fam and then she just like doesn't even register that I'm talking to her and then like five (laughs) seconds later I was just like oh maybe she's just on her way to do something so like I started walking away she like turns around she goes wait what time is it and I was like (laughs) it's 1.25 and then before she acknowledges it, she just walks off. I was like, she's going through it, okay? She really went through it. I, I don't know. I think about that experience a lot. Back to what you were saying before you exposed me during my one of my many mental breakdowns. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I feel like definitely having an upbringing where you're forced to not be show any sign of weakness and to have that outer perception of having your shit together really affects how you express your emotions which is i guess good and bad because it's definitely benefited me during times when more serious situations where i had to be calm and collected and really process things analytically logically But then it also really backfires in terms of emotional and mental health. And yeah. Did you find though, when you first started telling your friends about what was going on, did you immediately feel a sense of kind of that you felt better immediately after you kind of told your friends what was happening? For me, when I first started acknowledging that the problematic things in my life was actually problematic... It made me feel so bad for like a year that I was, wow, I can't believe this happened before I started actually getting over it, if that makes sense. I feel like there's definitely, at least for me, it was more so a period of adjustment 
I found it so weird and scary that other people knew what was going on inside mentally that I felt so vulnerable and exposed. I was really afraid that I was someone was gonna I don't know I don't even know what I was afraid of getting bullied or oh you have mental health issues ha huh? <laughs> fuck you she's sad ha huh? fuck she's anxious but <laughs> I don't know I guess in my brain it's just hammered in that any sort of emotional weakness would just mean your life is gone done your reputation over period gone yeah like cancel culture you're gonna get cancelled for admitting for admitting that you are going through it you're gonna get cancelled cancel culture my mental illness and i think a lot of it is also like perpetrated by the fact that in school there's so much backstabbing and so like i'm pretty sure it's like a universal high school experience like i don't know if it's amplified here or not but so much of it is people telling each other's personal stuff out to each other i know so much about people i'm not even close to i don't even feel like i need to know that stuff about them knowing that made me so scared to open up to people and also like there's been times in the past where like i did try to as immediately dismissed because either they try to like one up you yeah where they like want to one up you or like they just immediately talk about something completely different yeah i think like that definitely made it a lot harder okay i want to go back to you talking about memes because it's a super big topic of memes either trivializing normalizing or as a coping mechanism i don't know i feel like it's like a double-ended sword because like on one hand like being able to normalize saying and admitting that yo i'm not feeling good and just like not okay like i really need a break i think that's so important so then people know they have a safe space but then also on the other hand stuff like oh my god i want to kill myself to like every minor inconvenience like yes i am guilty of doing that and i've been trying as much as i can to kind of stop doing it because i feel like i've always acknowledged that it's a toxic thing to do but then i found it so hard to stop doing once i started if that makes sense yeah i feel like that's such a bad thing because now you really can't tell if someone's joking or not you know and that's kind of worrying yeah it's like a cyclical thing of boy who cried wolf but yeah for me at least during middle school i really subscribed to the whole oh making jokes about my mental health and emotions as a coping mechanism on one hand it really did help me compartmentalize what i was going through in a way that was digestible and easy to understand in the form of memes (laughs) but Also, because I was following so much content and viewing and consuming so much content about, I guess, trivializing mental health issues and going like, oh, I want to kill myself, that it, I was sort of stuck in a social media echo chamber of mental illness, which I guess could have exacerbated what I was feeling. And also, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but for me, especially when I was so consumed by these content and information of people suffering from mental illness sometimes i'd feel really guilty for having a day where i wasn't depressed or having a day where i wasn't that anxious yeah because i felt like oh shit like everyone else is going through so much right now maybe i'm i don't have any mental illness at all yeah and i feel bad that i'm sad because all these other people are still going through it for years and years and years and here i am feeling happy yeah i kind of get that for like both ends of the feeling if that makes sense because i i I didn't realize i was a very anxious person until like 
and I started talking to people more and they're like it's not normal to feel like you're gonna throw up when waiting for a bus and I was like oh like you guys don't get that that's really weird <laughs> and like do you get what I mean yes for me it's like when I when I call out to the bus driver I literally feel like throwing up so much anxiety and everyone thinks I'm insane like I didn't realize that that wasn't normal I never would have thought that wasn't an anxious person and then like I don't know if acknowledging it made it better or worse is the issue (laughs) yeah a lot of feelings of like sadness and stuff like I feel really guilty for because obviously I'm in a position where like I'm very privileged because wealth gap and stuff I feel like it's a big thing to feel guilt for sadness and happiness yeah when I'm happy I feel guilty because like you know like sometimes when I'm happy like I really don't I'm all about being there for my friends you can come up to me and say whatever you want I'm just kind of known as being more like stone cold but like I wouldn't say I'm mean necessarily I just won't empathize with you if I feel like you're in the wrong in the situation that happened I I don't think you deserve that because that's not how you grow as a person which sounds really mean and harsh I'm, I'm kind of that person you know like sometimes when I'm ha- like super happy I feel really guilty when someone like comes up to me and I'm like you just kind of bummed me out now like I feel guilty for feeling that <laughs> that that's like a thing but then it, I still really want to be there for people it just sucks that I sometimes feel so guilty that I'm just like I was having a good day until you came and told me about how you're feeling and then now I'm sad that you feel that way. I feel guilty that I am even feeling sad that someone made me feel sad and then now I'm placing the blame on that. It's like such a weird circle. When I do feel sad about my life situation, I'm like, I'm such a selfish prick because we live in like a house. I'm very lucky. I get to go to school. I get food, you know at home like I never have to worry about my next meal or anything I feel guilty that I feel bad about my life situation so then I'm like oh then maybe like I shouldn't feel sad about the stuff but then it's not like stuff isn't you know it's like this whole like (laughs) this happens though when I'm happy or when I'm not vibing yeah I feel like I'm pretty selective of who I'm definitely sharing my emotions with yeah because I feel like we both cope pretty similarly yeah (laughs) in that we don't like to take it too seriously, but we also want to want to express how we feel when we're sad or whatever. Like, always cover it up with a joke after. Yeah, we just... <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're very sentimental when we do it. Like, obviously, when we do give proper advice and stuff, we're there for each other. I don't know if it's... If humor is a coping mechanism, I feel like it's been pretty good for me, or I don't know if it's going to backfire on me one day, but... Yeah, no, I, I definitely only use humor when, like, I know the other person is comfortable with it. Yeah. You know, like, sometimes you have people who, like, they just don't turn to humor. They they just want more people to be there and listen. Then, like, I'll do that. Yeah. It'll be really awkward if, like, between the two of us, we're both, if one of us is going through it, what usually happens is the one who's going through it tells everything, and then the other one just listens. And then you wait for the person going through it to crack the first joke. Yeah. And then it just kind of, like, bounces off each other. Oh and then, God. like, you kind of end up, like, cheering each other up but also like acknowledging each other yeah yeah i feel like that's my favorite way of coping yeah yeah same because like sometimes just i just want someone to also acknowledge that this sucks so i feel like i'm not going crazy but then i just want to joke about it because it is like yeah yeah yeah, for sure. i mean like it's a bad situation but that doesn't stop me from joking about it i feel like that way is like the only way that i feel a bit less guilty just because like yeah i feel like it's important to acknowledge when each other is going through something emotionally that we're serious about that 
as long as your jokes are out of goodwill and that you have that relationship with that person, it alleviates that sort of guilt of, oh, I'm making them feel bad. Because once you're cracking jokes, you're kind of leveling the playing field, you know? You're not making things worse for (laughs) each other. I don't know. Yeah, oh my god, can we talk about our favorite (laughs) coping mechanisms? Shut up! Mine... (laughs) Mine is taking selfies when I'm crying, so that I have I have a whole album on my phone of crying photos. Yeah, I have a lot of, like, cry videos and photos, because, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe some of it comes from, like, narcissism, but, like, I wouldn't ever describe myself as a narcissistic person. Yeah, I feel. I don't know, there's just something so funny to me, where, like, especially, like, now that I look back at my crying photos from, like, when I was 14, and I like to write descriptions on my notes about why I cried, and, like, I look at it, and I'm, like, in hindsight, at the time, obviously, I was feeling it, it was very real, but then in hindsight, you kind of laugh about it, and I feel like it's kind of fun to, like, track your growth or whatever. (laughs) It's like when people measure their height. Yeah, it's like tracking your character progression. (laughs) I'm just tracking how long my tears go throughout the years, you know. And I don't know, I feel like it's such a cathartic thing to do, to take photos. Taking a selfie really puts you out of that crying moment that you're kind of like, what the fuck am I doing? Taking photos of me being fucking, having a mental breakdown. That kind of cheers me up in and of itself because I'm documenting me and my mental breakdown. And then I can revisit it. No, actually, no. My favorite is when Instagram or Snapchat or whatever tells me, oh, you have a memory from two years ago on this exact day. And it's just me crying with my eyes red, with my lips swollen, just crying. Those are my favorite memories. That's the thing. I don't know. I don't know why I don't have cry face. Maybe my mind is so powerful that like... Her mind. Told myself, don't have a cry face. I can ball for the longest time and rub my eyes but half a minute later if it's not continued there is no indication that i have been bawling it is the weirdest thing ever for me i feel like my face kind of morphed into my crying face because then no one in my family realizes when i'm crying sometimes i'd be in my bed crying right after i'd go eat dinner no one would notice anything because i guess it's what i look like I just <laughs> perpetual cry face have a resting cry face i feel like i still very largely have rbf oh no or like resting angry face i don't think i have so much resting sad face i just constantly look like i'm annoyed about something which i am i complain about so much i don't know where that really comes from if i'm being honest but i do it though i don't think it's good though i have been trying to stop but then it is fun okay it's not fun to complain but sometimes i do once in a blue moon complain about stuff that should be spoken about so i just want to disclaim that we're not trivializing mental breakdowns yeah for sure if it it doesn't make you feel better please don't document your mental mental breakdowns like us because it's just just how we cope i forgot you're talking about coping mechanisms i don't know i don't really think i have that many because like i don't know i only just started talking to people about stuff that's happened a year and a half ago two years maybe like two years tops. I don't know, because like I don't think I've ever experienced what actually having a proper friend was like. As sad as that sounds, like I I don't know, like it doesn't make me that sad, but like it is kind of sad when I say it out loud like that. I have had people tell me that someone that I used to be really close with 
was telling them about stuff that I told them in confidence. I don't think when you're friends with someone, you always have to explicitly say, like, don't tell this to anyone. I feel like yeah. I do that with, like, 99.9. It's like a mutual understanding. Yeah. That was kind of weird, and then that set me back 10 steps, uh, which was fun, fresh, interesting. Yeah, friendships and trust really fluctuate, I think. And it's just such a shitty way to deal with. I don't know. I wouldn't go around talking shit about my ex-friends or people that I've fallen out with or lost contact with. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go around spewing their fucking family drama and emotional, what they're going through emotionally. That's such a shitty thing to do. I think no matter how messy your guys' breakup, friendship, yeah, disaffiliation disassociation was, (laughs) you should never do that. Yeah, like I definitely agree with that. Especially when it's not your place to say. Yeah. I don't really know why that's such a big thing that people sharing other people's stuff. I guess it's when you don't have a personality, that's what you do to sort of uh, make up for that (laughs) completely empty vessel of empathy and personality. Maybe. I don't know. It weirds me out so much when people do that because then, like, it's not that I see the person differently, but then, like, I feel uncomfortable when I interact with them because it's like, oop, now I know more about you than you thought that I knew. That puts me in such an uncomfortable kind of mm-hmm. position. And I can't just be like, yo, like, so-and-so told me this about you because that's also not my place. So if you're one of those people who do that, please stop doing that. It, like, it puts everyone in such an uncomfortable... Yeah, you are the asshole. <laughs> Total red flags. <laughs> Alright, do you have any other not really coping mechanisms that things that you do to help? I mean, I don't know, I just kind of talk a lot. Oh, I do a lot of shit posting on my like close friends slash spam posts, but then they're never like super direct. I just want to take weird photos of things and then caption them weirdly, and then I don't know why. Posting it and knowing that I have an audience, but then I don't have to like talk to them directly really helps. I don't know how to, you know, word this eloquently. I don't know what it is, because, like, you know how when you're, like, texting someone about something that happened to you, like, you're, like, you know you're telling them, you're getting an immediate reaction from someone, but sometimes I just want to, like, type stuff out into the void, but then, like, I don't want to feel like I'm talking to myself, because it makes me think I'm crazy. I put it into the void that is my close friend's story. Yeah, I feel like it's definitely cathartic to just write things out. Yeah. And not really have that direct communication with, and the pressure of someone else replying to you, I guess. Yeah, and the, like that's the thing. Like, I don't want to burden anyone because like if I'm posting on my spam, I I never do like long. They're not even like legible paragraphs. You know, they're just, just like, keyboard smashes. Because like I don't want to burden anyone. I don't want someone to like, have to listen. Yo, I'm going through this right now. You know, you know when you get texts like that, like, you feel the responsibility to have to be there, reply instantaneously. Do you get what I mean? Like, it's not something where, like, someone texts you, yo, can I talk to you? And then, like, five hours later, you're like, yeah, sure. Like, no. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> no, I mean, like, if you reply five hours later, then you don't know what they're going through. You don't know them. You don't know their story. The concept of burden <laughs> is pretty interesting, too, because I definitely feel like I'm burdening someone when I tell someone about what I'm going through or when I'm sad. When I <laughs> message you about crying because of Frank Ocean. <laughs> okay, but that's aside the point, but it's really weird. I don't know if it's just me, but definitely when I do it to someone else, I feel really guilty. But then when someone asks me or like confines in me about what they're going through, I don't 
feel burdened whatsoever. Yeah, me either. Yeah, I find it... I feel like that's something I really need to stop doing is feeling too guilty. Obviously, if every single minor inconvenience, like, oh, I freaking... I don't know. I can't tie my shoelaces. That's annoying and stupid, but if it's actually... You need mental or emotional support. You should never feel burdened by it whatsoever. Especially if they're your real friends. And everything that you say to them should be... You should basically acknowledge... Silently, mutually acknowledge that it's going to be in confidence. And that you're not going to be one of those dickheads who fucking tell everyone for no good reason. For sure. I do really want to talk about how we're doing now. Because it is obviously like a weird situation to be in. I feel like... I know lots of people who are feeling like super unproductive. That puts them in a perpetual loop of, oh, I don't like feel good, whatever. So initially when this started, I knew I had exams coming up and whatever. I was misproductive. I was up 7.30 every single morning, would work out most days. I had a schedule, had like, a whole routine. I felt good. <laughs> Eventually I overworked myself too much and I ended up going to the hospital. That was fun when I texted you about that. <laughs> Yeah, and then... She grinded a bit too hard. I grinded a bit too hard, had to get an MRI scan, because they were like, oh, maybe you're gonna have an aneurysm. <laughs> uh, no, my brain's okay, I'm fine. Uh, my brain just played... She's just got a big brain, you know? Yeah, big brain too powerful. <laughs> um, no, but then, ever since I exams were cancelled, I now literally did not shower yesterday, which is disgusting to me. Um, I know some people go like two or three days without showering, um, but I'm like a shower and wash my hair every day type of person because I'm psycho. So that was kind of gross. I have been in bed for a week straight. I love that for you. Uh, which is kind of nasty. <laughs> I cleaned up my desk today just so we could record this. Can't relate because I'm in a closet right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of social media stuff. We talked about this briefly last time about how like people are like, Oh, you should do home workouts and stuff, but it's like if you don't want to, it's completely normal. Like yeah, bro. yeah. For for me, I guess it's a bit different because I I'm like really busy right now in terms of everything. Like I was less busy in the beginning of the whole self isolation. Miss Rona. Yeah, before Miss Rona, sister snapped at us. Okay, but in the beginning, I feel like I I had my shit together. You know, I started bullet journaling. I was waking up at 6am to go to the gym every fucking day. I was feeling good, fun, fresh, hitting my macros, okay? Doing my work. <laughs> mm, maybe she snapped. But then, like, these past three weeks, it's really gone down the shitter. <laughs> Honestly, same. Yeah, definitely. Because everything started closing down. I And I didn't want to perpetuate the spread of a fucking pandemic. So I stopped going to the gym and yeah, this is definitely something that I am not going to subscribe to. I don't subscribe to home workouts that much because I just don't associate my house to exercise. Yeah, same. Also, I don't have the space to. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the space and I live with five other people. So I'm not about to wake up at 6am just to wake everyone up because I want to fucking do some burpees outside. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so <laughs> basically I've, I've had to stop working out. Which I didn't realize how important it was for my mental health. Because I, I feel like it's definitely something that I do routinely that keeps me, like, distracts me from everything. It clears my mind. So it's been really helpful. But 
yeah now that I have to stay at home and work I feel like time kind of just blends together my sleeping schedule is fucking shit see same now that I have literally no responsibilities whatsoever I don't know why my body feels more tired yeah I feel very lethargic I'll wake up at noon and then I'll eat and then I'll nap for literally six hours and then when I wake up it's dinner time right but then like as I'm waking up for dinner I feel so fatigued I feel like I just had a 20 hour day or something that I need to sleep and then it's so it is whack someone please tell me what is going on I don't know for me it was I feel so much less energized once I don't exercise I guess and because now I'm at least at this period in time I'm super busy I have to tutor children and then I have coursework that I need to do and I also have a few commissions I feel like it would be a lot better if I had a routine, but because we can't have a routine right now, all my things are at different times. There's nothing set in schedule like usually when we're at school, at least we have a proper schedule that we can follow. I feel like when you're self-allocating time for your work, it makes it really hard to get through things and have a routine that's beneficial for you because I used to sleep and wake up basically at the same time, but now it's always fluctuating because I have different shit to do. Mm -hmm. And not having that routine, I think it's pretty rough on most people because a lot of people thrive on routine, right? And when your routine changes that drastically in just a short amount of time, then I feel like the implications of that is really tragic. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I feel like it's like, oh, when we initially started our like, online classes our school they sent this email out about like so important to keep to routine and like I rolled my eyes at it because I was like y'all this is cheesy meaningless whatever uh but then now that I don't have a routine or any classes I have to attend I just I don't know it feels like I'm living like a purposeless life but then I still have stuff going on but then I'm just like but what am I doing though yeah there's very little things you can work towards at this time yeah what's really affected my mental health a lot this is, isn't even just exclusive to the coronavirus, but I think ever since everything started happening in Hong Kong last year, oh yeah, definitely. the news and media and just being bombarded every day by sad news, by crazy deaths and all those crazy political stuff has been pretty damaging yeah. in a sense because it's so important to stay updated and to know what's going on around you. Especially, like we said, about keeping track of your death tolls in your area and who's getting sick so that you can avoid it. And also, it's just a way to not be ignorant. But at the same time, I think because I was following everything so closely, all that I was receiving was bad news. And it really affected the way I perceived the world. And it put me in such a negative mindset. But I feel like everything happened made all of us mature a lot faster than yeah for sure I guess most regular people go through no like it was definitely such a like reality privilege check for me yeah when something is happening which is so closely related and directly affects you your family and people you know in general that really fucks up your mental health yeah. I guess because when you're just surrounded by scary and negative news and that's all that you can be thinking about and i'd remember i'd just read the news and just cry every night and that'd be my daily routine yeah for me in my area it didn't help that there was like constant screaming and like sirens outside i kept hearing these loud popping sounds i didn't 
know what it was. I didn't know if it was like a bomb. I didn't know if it was tear gas. I didn't know if it was a bullet. It was like horrifying. I don't know. But I feel like that's an entirely different thing we can touch on. And like, I feel like we should. Yeah, we can probably do multiple episodes on that. Yeah, about it as well. On top of the news, we're in a very transitional phase of our lives. It's exciting, but it's also like hard and scary as is especially when we're doing this in a way where no other people have done it in the middle of a pandemic and in the middle of protests yeah we had a lot of home changes and then on top of that you know we had like applying for university and stuff which was like so much stress that oh my god that literally made me so broken for so long (laughs) we both have our offers and stuff but then now Miss Rona is here, so it's like, oh, can I even get an education? And I feel like it's exacerbated by the fact that we're currently in the middle of a very difficult and complex political era, yeah. I suppose, because everyone our age who aren't privileged enough to go off to wherever they want for university, we don't know what's going to happen to our home. We don't know... If the government's going to change, we don't know if we're even going to be able to stay here. We could just be at the brink of a war zone and we wouldn't even know. And I think having that uncertainty of our future really fucks up our mental health. And for us, we both have our families are based here. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like for a lot of our friends, they either moved here, their nationality, they hold multiple. For me, at least, like I only hold one. Here is technically the only country I can like legally reside in and ever come back to if I need to you know like without a visa or whatever that was like such a scary thought to me on top of that I'm very lucky to be able to go overseas but like for us definitely in my family it's just an expected thing you're not going to study here that you're going to leave another thing that kind of added this sounds such a like spoiled brat thing to be stressed about whilst that was happening when everything was at its peak that was when I was like kind of finalizing all my decisions. And aside from just choosing what I wanted to study, where I wanted to study, like I was considering, oh my god, like can I live there after? And like, do I want to live there? What's the government like there? Do I want to be there? Yeah, I think we were definitely worrying a lot more than what regular kids have to worry about. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people who have it worse than us. Yeah. I'm not saying for that sure. what we're going through is. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, even during that time, I felt so guilty that I felt so mm-hmm. worried and anxious about everything. We were still lucky. We still had school, you know, except for when it got suspended. And then I very largely could, to some extent, still, like, go out, watch a movie if I really wanted to. But then whilst you're watching the movie, you're scared. Oh, am I going to be able to make it home? And stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I felt guilty about thinking about those things because obviously like we could still kind of go out from time to time whereas like in other countries where they have larger political problems and where their government is a lot more tyrannical than it is here people actually like end up losing their homes and stuff whereas like I wasn't I felt so bad at the time I remember there was a lot of the stuff that was happening in Sudan and I feel bad that I'm in technically like a privileged position yeah I don't know it was just such a weird transition yeah for sure and It definitely was something to mentally sort of hurdle through from the protest right into a pandemic. The thing is, stuff that's happened in the protest still has not been resolved, really. There's still a lot of background things going on, but having such a big shift in focus from political unrest to a pandemic, that's when I really realized that I had to take a break from the news sometimes. I can't just keep 
filling myself with really negative news every day. I mean, definitely stay informed with what's going on, or else you're just going to be an ignorant person in a bubble, essentially. But then you also have to find the balance between taking care of your mental health and also being aware and knowledgeable. I think the thing is, we've kind of made ourselves feel guilty that we would want to take breaks. I don't know, I feel like it should be normalized Mm -hmm. to want to take breaks sometimes, because there's nothing wrong. You can be kept updated with stuff without constantly refreshing your news feeds and stuff. Yeah. Is that all that we've got to talk about? Yeah, I mean, some of y'all were saying that these episodes are long. I mean, to be fair, we've only made one episode, but... um... Okay, I have a bone to pick with those people. Yeah. Okay, I feel like us talking for just over an hour isn't that bad, especially when... I don't know, just listen to this while you're going on a bus ride, you know? You don't need to worry about pausing it and going to the next episode. You're gonna want more content soon. Also, I've listened to Hardcore History for three hours straight. You can deal with an hour and a bit of a podcast episode, okay? Yeah, also, like, I feel like everyone has different podcast listening rituals. Some people, like, want to sit down and listen to it all at once. Some people, like, do one episode over the span of three days, you know? You know, do what you want. Honestly, if you don't know what to do with this... Leave a hate comment. Once again, I am inviting you to leave a hate yeah. comment. Or just listen to this to sleep, because that's what I do with episodes that I don't know what to do with. I just listen to it to go to sleep so you can hear our voices and slowly disassociate from wakefulness. Yeah, or use it as background noise. Also, um, we're going to leave in hotlines for any mental health lines that you could call if you are suffering from mental health issues and when to look for help because i think especially during these times it's super important that we take care of ourselves and make sure you check up on all your friends i think these times are when most people are going to struggle mentally yeah for sure it's a time where everyone's unsure about what's going on no one knows the answers to anything we don't know when we can stop self-isolating we don't know when the vaccine's gonna come so definitely do whatever you can to keep your spirits up but also you don't need to keep your spirits up you know if you want to cry it out cry it out yeah for sure I... you can listen to us while you're crying it out okay yeah i listened to kayendo like non-stop mm-hmm. for the other like the other day and had a good cry it was, it was fun but now i also desperately want a frank rosalia collab uh, please give it to us i'm hungry <laughs> yes feed us Yeah, but also, if you have any issues or anything, feel free to, you know, message us or leave us a voice message in our anchor thing. I'm not sure if that works, but... Yeah, it does work. It does work. You can leave us a voice message whenever you want. Okay, I think that's about it. Uh, Yeah, bye! bye. Okay, so if you're still here after the jingle, you get the bonus section, which we're now introducing because we forgot to do it during the first episode. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be doing a music of the week. Uh, this is by no means recommendations. I think it's just... What we've been listening to. Something that we've been both been listening to this week. I feel like both of our songs are the same, right? Should we do the same song? <laughs> yeah. You can do Kayendo, I can do Dear Airful. Kayendo. Okay. See, the thing is, right, a lot of people are saying that Dear April is sadder, but I'm arguing they're only saying that because they don't understand the Spanish, okay? Do you even know what Cayendo means? 
I don't, but <laughs> I really felt the vibes, and I cried to Kayendo. So you can, you don't need to at me. I understand. I've had. I won't at you. I sent you photos of me crying. I know. If you go by song title, even I feel like Kayendo is sadder because it literally translates to falling. So I don't know, falling and. Dear April, what if April... April's a fucking date, okay? She's not fucking sentient. <laughs> you mean a month? Oh, shit! <laughs> Sorry, I'm really going through it. I think my the worms in my brain just really, really snapped off. Okay, yeah, so I uh, hope you enjoyed this bonus section. Maybe in the future the bonus section will be more interesting. Once again, leave us hate comments and so we can, you know, yeah. cry about it and tell you about it in the next episode. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You go, girl. I'm sick. Sorry, I thought I was doing ad libs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think that's about it. Thank you for listening to our little bonus section. So, we're going to give you an extra goodbye. So, okay, bye. 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 <laughs>